Eric, thank you so much for joining us at Pivot Me today. Hey, how's it going? I appreciate you having me on the show. Absolutely. So Eric, let's start here. So I know that you, I know kind of the story about when you shifted into the space, but talk to me about what you do today um, and who your clients typically look like. Yeah. So basically what we do today is we help uh, service-based businesses uh, that usually have a higher customer value, just means they have a higher profit margin per sale. Um, and we help them do advertising on like Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, YouTube, Google. We get them a bunch of traffic. We send it to their website and landing pages and help uh, basically do their website and landing pages so that they convert more leads. Then on the back end with email and text follow-up, we help them kind of convert those leads or try and get those leads on a phone call. And then the last thing we help with is uh, kind of the sales training piece where once they actually get on the phone, what do they do from that point? So we give them some scripts and questions to ask and all that type of stuff to try and help close the lead. So kind of from beginning to mm -hmm. end of customer acquisition, we try to help the best we can. Sure. So it's a lot more than just getting the leads. So it's yeah. not just, hey, I'm going to put leads because if you put it into a broken funnel, doesn't really convert into sales, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Like we, we see that happen kind of a lot where, you know, business owners have tried Facebook ads, they've tried Instagram ads, they've tried Google ads, and they say sure. it doesn't work. And it's like, well, there's lots of competitors in your market that are doing it, it is working. So what is, you know, the pivot that they need to make mm -hmm. uh, in order for it to work? And it usually comes down to they need to reposition their offer, they need to change up their pages, they need there's something in the system that is causing an error to where there's not getting enough throughput. So that's what we try to help with. Yeah. And and pivoters, as you're listening to this here, Eric did not mention about the quality of your product or service, about the customer service, N none of that, which as business owners, we tend to go to, but I have a really good product, but we have really great customer service. We have a good onboarding process. He didn't mention any of that. We're talking about just courting, just the first date. If they don't go on the date with you, you don't get to impress them with your product and service. So Eric, I want to get right into it. So if if we've got a pivoter that's listening, I'm going to give a, uh, well, well, we'll do one that we work with right now. So uh, Michael Torres, he runs a roofing business out of Florida, and he kind of has maybe the traditional approach to business. It's worked really, really well for him. But let's say he wants to scale and he doesn't want to put more sales guys out or more referral programs out. He wants to lean into this digital space. What's the first thing Michael needs to do? So he needs to make sure that he's selling something that people actually want, right? So your mm -hmm. offer is extremely important of the best example or metaphor I can give is, you know, if a gym has an ad and they put it in your face and they basically say, Hey, if you come to our gym, we'll give you 5% off. No one cares. No one really wants that. Sure. So you have to have some type of offer that when you put it out there, it's understanding the customer's problem and they actually desire it. Yeah. <laughs> and it just makes selling it a lot easier. And it, I just want to interrupt you. Notice that Eric said what they want, not what they need. A lot of us make a mistake of going, well, this is what they really need. Well, people need lots of things, but that's not what they want. So uh, please go ahead. I just want to point out want, not need. Yeah, it's basically selling the candy, but then giving them the vitamins. So that's basically what I like to think about. And uh, when you do that, there's you're going to have a lot more people coming in because you're kind of playing to human psychology. Humans are humans. They're always going to work the same, which is 
most people, I think it's like 70% are emotional buyers as opposed to logical buyers. I myself fall in the category of the 30%, which is like the more logical buyers. Mm -hmm. But most people, if you kind of hit them with a mix of like, here's the results and outcomes that you're going to get from our service. And then also kind of here's the storytelling that helps you understand what we do and how it's relevant to you. And you combine those. Now the person gets like what they, they are now problem aware of whatever there is they're trying to solve. And then now they see a solution to the problem. So they're going to come to you in crowds because whatever you're trying to solve is hopefully a, a big problem that people need urgently and, you know, all that type of stuff. But it's just getting your offer on point to where people understand it. They're, your client feels understood. And then mm -hmm. now they're going to get want to get on the phone with you and basically help get educated on whatever your service is. So once they have that offer down, then it goes into traffic and converting on the landing pages and the back end systems and all that other stuff. But first thing you need to get on point is just make sure your offer is good and it's compelling in some way. Sure. Okay. So give them what they want, make it compelling. Like, Hey, this is, this is important. This is why you want it. You're telling a story. Um, storytelling is a great way to educate people um, and to bake in the emotion as well. Many people are emotional buyers, love this. So once, once you make that offer, once they're like, yeah, you know what? I do want what he's selling. What happens then? Yeah. So usually what happens is they end up clicking on your ad because that's like the first step is they see something, they click on it. Now, when they actually get to your website or landing page, a lot of business owners make the mistake of not having a congruent marketing message along the entire point. So they basically your client is clicking an ad for one message and then they get to your page and then they're, you're using different language. There's different imagery. There's too much stuff all over your website. It needs, you know, it's not simple and minimal enough and it doesn't have one kind of like clear call to action. It's just all over the place. Mm -hmm. So if you can simplify and basically make your website as minimal as possible, still making it look good, but you have one clear message because your headline, uh, I think the great copywriter, Dan Kennedy said the fact uh, that 80, 80 cents of the dollar that you're spending when they actually get to your landing page is spent on the headline. So if your headline isn't good, then people aren't going to continue to read the page or even scroll down at all. And the, there's a thing called above the fold or your viewport of when you actually get to your website or landing page, the first thing that they see either on their desktop or on mobile, if that isn't good, people are just going to click off. If it doesn't, you know, cat, you know, basically make them want to continue to be on that page, they're just going to leave because people have options nowadays. They can go back to Facebook or go back to Instagram, keep scrolling and get stimulus for something else. Mm -hmm. um, and you need to make sure that you're the best stimulus in that moment. So when they actually get to the page, landing page need, uh, needs uh, hand, sorry, headline needs to be super good. And then the clear call to action of what they get. Uh, there's a lot of business owners that just say, Hey, get on a call with me. Well, mm -hmm. why? Like, what, what are you going to do? Like, sure. what's the call about? Like, no one really knows, right? So if you can position your consultation call, as this piece of value that you are not charging for, but they actually get value on it. And they, they don't even need to buy your service and they still get value on the call. Mm -hmm. What are people going to do at the end of that call? They're going to want to buy your service because you've got on the call with them for 15 minutes, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, however long your, your call is your consultation, you've educated them on whatever, you know, ask them a bunch of questions. You've made closing statements, you've handled objections. And then by the end of it, they say, okay, this person understands my problem we've talked about it. They've educated me. I now get that they can help me solve it. Mm -hmm. I'm going to either move forward or not. Right. But people are too scared to just give that out because mm -hmm. they're like, Oh, but what if they go with someone else? You have to understand when you're giving the strategy, yep. 
you're the best person to do the execution and implementation because it's your strategy. So, you know what I mean? Like if a roofer, right, gets on a call and basically says, hey, like how much are you going to trust a roofer that gets on a call and says, hey, um, you know, most people in this situation would try and sell you this, you know, $15,000, $20,000 new roof, but we can actually patch it up for a thousand bucks. And I know that, and that's the best thing that you're going to you know, need to do for the next one, two years. And then maybe mm-hmm. two years from now, we need to do a new roof. But in the moment, we're going to help you with that because we're trying to build a relationship with you. If that happened to me on a call, I would instantly buy from that person because I know everybody else in that marketplace is trying to optimize for the front end, get as much money as possible. And they're not trying to really help me. Right. And mm-hmm. that's, that's kind of where we're at in 2021 is like people want People, buyers are entitled to getting the best thing, the fastest for, you know, they get more and sometimes the cheapest, right? But business owners don't want to race to the bottom to try and be the cheapest. They usually handle the first three, but that all that stuff is extremely important uh, nowadays. And I feel like it, like buyer cycles and all these things are changing so much and business owners haven't yet adapted, but all that stuff is necessary nowadays. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to just get really specific again, if someone's not leveraging digital marketing right now or mm-hmm. not leveraging it enough. So again, headline, kind of the, the catchy saying that's going to bring them in, right? Mm-hmm. Like maybe it's, you don't need to replace your roof yet. I'll tell you why. Or mm-hmm. don't, you won't need to replace your roof for the rest of your life. So, something like that. Obviously, that's got to be a massage, but something that's like, ooh, I like that. And it's enough for them to click or get involved. Then when you're saying about getting on a call and adding value, in the roofing space, I'm not really familiar with it, but let's just say it's like, hey, we'll we'll talk you through the specific engineering of your roof to see if it even needs to be replaced. Well, that's valuable engineering. I don't know engineering. This should be good. And the other thing I'll add is when you were saying they're gonna feel like the most qualified person to handle it, there's also this weird thing that happens in psychology, right? Where like when you help somebody out, there's like this reciprocity that they're like, oh, you took care of me, now I'm gonna take care of you. And that can look like either them doing business with you or referrals. Like how many times are they gonna tell the story? Yeah, I talked to, you know, XYZ contractor, the roofing contractor out of Florida, they could have sold me a $15,000 roof. I would have probably gone for it because I don't know. But instead, it was a $1,000 patch job. You should call those guys. So these are all the ways that we're leveraging both business today and business for the future. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, that that's the thing is like some, in some, let's say the situation isn't that they have to do the $1,000 patch up and it's good to go. And they do have to sell them the $15,000 roof. Mm-hmm. At least your intentions are in the right place of actually trying to help clients. And the client can feel that. They can feel that through the call, especially now most of these calls are either on FaceTime or Zoom or something like that. They can see that you're actually trying to add value to them and not just trying to take something. And mm-hmm. they're going to go with you regardless because you know, like I said, 2021 has moved these things to where let's say 50 years ago, you could go to a used car dealership, right? And like you basically are, the buyers were uneducated at that Mm -hmm. point, you're uninformed, I should say. And then at that, you know, in in the past 50 years, now that we have Google and all these things, that I think the statistic is like 60 to 70% of the buying decision is actually made before they even get on the call with you. So they're going to do all the research. They're going to look at your website. They're going to look at your competitors. They look at your reviews. They look at everything. Then finally get, they get on the call with you and your job is just to push them over that 30 to 40% to so, want to do it with you. Eric, I'm so glad you said that stat. So hear that 60 to 70% of their decision has already been made by the time they get on the call with you, which means that if you don't have the right digital presence, they never get on that call with you. 
because that's how business is done right now. So for anyone that's like, "Eh, how much does it really matter? Oh, it matters because the phone won't ring without that. I always call it a digital footprint. So when I work with, you know, thought leaders and and a lot of industry experts, I'm like, what's your digital footprint look like? Because that's where someone's going to go first. And that will dictate whether the phone call or the email goes over. So I'm really glad that you said that statistics because it's scary if you don't have the right digital footprint, but it's amazing if you do. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's like, if, if business owners can really sit down and even if they're not experts in the space, mm-hmm. really simplify it to traffic and getting attention from somewhere and then converting that traffic on something, which is your website or landing page. And then once like, cause you have to think about like how you buy something, right? Mm-hmm. When you are interested in something, you might fill out your information, but you still need some more to really kind of sell you on the idea of getting a call. So then in emails and texts, you can send them videos, you can send them you know, just educational articles or whatever you want to send them in these email and texts, because emails have like a 20% open rate right now, but it's still like really great to do because it's like a standard way of communication. Texting mm-hmm. has like a 70% open rate. So those are really going to get opened and get, you know, a lot of attention to those things. Sure. Then when the person has all this kind of stuff figured out, they'll get on the call with you and kind of figure it out. But the let, let's kind of go back because you said, um, you know, the first thing they need is the offer, but then let's talk about the ads. So the ads, sure. A lot of business owners do advertising incorrectly because I almost feel like they're too scared to really push out their marketing message and be, I guess, intense with it. You know what I mean? Like the copywriting that's within your ads, which is basically the text in your ads needs to be eye catching and basically grab someone like, you know what I mean? Like really get them to pay attention and business owners want to be too kind of vanilla and fluffy about it. Mm-hmm. And it's just not working nowadays because you have to think about when someone is on Facebook, there's cat videos, there's all these different things that they can <laughs> sure. be paying attention to. And you're it's competing like you with all them. of them. <laughs> yeah. And they're fantastic. They're awesome videos, <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> but um, you know, that you have to get them to pay attention to you. And it's like that those, and you're getting less real estate in Facebook by the day. It mm-hmm. seems like to where oh, now yeah. you only have three lines of text to really get someone to click, read more and read the rest of it. So like your marketing message has to be dialed in and you have to understand your prospect or your customer better than like any of your competitors. And the first line, usually they, there's compliance issues with Facebook right now and they're constantly updating policies, but usually the the format that I like to follow is get attention or acknowledge who you're talking to, basically call them out, then bring up, you know, their problem or, you know, agitate whatever thing that they have that's going on, mm-hmm. bring up uh, proof and testimonials, talk about your solution and in, in results and outcomes, not features and benefits, then mm-hmm. a strong call to action. And only one, like some people try to have multiple different calls to action. You can do the same call to action multiple times, but you don't need to have two of them. It just confuses. Mm-hmm. You only have, have one thing. And then, confused buyers do not purchase. Exactly. Right. Um, then when it comes to your creative, it needs to also be eye catching. Cause usually what happens is people are scrolling. They see the, the creative first and then what's the creative to read the text. Can you tell them what the creative is. Oh yeah. Creative is basically the picture or video that you're displaying in your advertisement that gets people's attention, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Videos tend to work better than photos in in a lot of markets, just because there's more you can do with it. Uh, You can educate them in the ads and they can see you and all these different things rather than just an image. But you know, you got to work with what you got. Sure. But for example, like psychology is so important in marketing. And I feel like people try to avoid that for some reason. I'm not really sure why. 
But mm -hmm. when it comes to like Facebook, you have to look at the platform. It's very blue. There's blue, white, all these different things. And like, if you use the color red in your Facebook ads, it gets a lot of attention. You just see the click-through rates go up because it's different than everything else that's going on. So mm -hmm. it's like, if you take that principle and that concept and just apply it to everything, it's like, now I'm starting to understand I can use human psychology to try and make my funnel and my system better. So that's kind of like one of the things that we try to focus on is how can we, you know, basically take human psychology and understand it and do that rather than just kind of being vanilla about things. Mm -hmm. um, and that leads to higher conversion rates and all that type of stuff. But um, yeah, for your ad, like if you're, if you're wondering what numbers to focus on, at least for like your advertising, um, mm -hmm. click through rate is really important. Um, basically just means if hundred people see your ad and one person clicks on it, you have a 1% click through rate. That's pretty mm -hmm. industry average for across the board. Uh, you do want to have a higher than 1%, but click through rates, pretty important. Uh, cost per lead. So when someone actually gets to your website, how much the cost per lead cost per acquisition of like when they actually turn into a customer, but the big one, it, at least just for the ad portion is impressions, which is basically how many people view your ad versus how many people click on it. If it's mm -hmm. above 1%, you're doing pretty decent. Um, and that's, yeah, we'll just leave it at that, that, that for the ad portion. Sure. Sure. One thing I want to talk about, Eric, that um, and what I'm trying to do is bridge the gap between the people that are really familiar with the digital marketing space and business owners that have been getting some success, but aren't leveraging it or aren't leveraging it to its capacity. One mm -hmm. thing I want to point out is that when you're saying business owners tend to want to be vanilla in their ads, here's the important part. An ad isn't your website. It's not a marketing flyer. They're different. So websites tend to be, at least they, they were we tend to wrote them, write them based off of features and benefits. When we presented in sales, we tended to present in that way. That is not the way that it's done now. That is not the way that ads are done. And so there needs to be this consistency. You can't have it incongruent between your ad looking completely, you know, all black and white imagery and your website doesn't look like that, or that's an extreme example. There's got to be this um, consistency through them, but the ad it's got to be better than the website. It's got to be sexier than a marketing flyer. And I think um, business owners tend to want it to be like, wow, we'll just say about like, oh, the best, the best shop in town. Well, it needs to be something more than that. So, mm -hmm. you know, get out on the edge of what you think is going to work with, um, with the ad. And this is a great time to talk to somebody else that this is their world. Like, yeah, this doesn't work that creative, that imagery won't work or that copy the language that's not going to work. We've got to massage this. We've got to add value right at the beginning. Um, I have a friend that always says, save the best for first. A lot of us were like, oh, we're going to sink it in at the very end. No, 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 no. Nobody gets to the bottom. You're competing with the cat videos. You got to get to the very top and add the value right away. So they're like, oh, yep, that's me. I'm going to click on that. I'm going to do the see more so I can see the rest of it. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's like to, to slightly go back to where, you know, they want to be vanilla and just say the best shop in town. Mm -hmm. You have to realize people are so hesitant because they've been burned in the past by a bunch of different industries. So when you say you're the best shop in town or whatever it is, they don't believe you. Mm -hmm. People are inherently nowadays, the, again, buyers have changed because of the access to information. There's this entitlement. And I'm not saying that in a disrespectful way. I just mean they are entitled to information and options and transparency because if you don't do it, someone else will. Because they can scour the entire internet to try and find the best solution that they think is the best solution, right? Mm -hmm. So 
you either get with the program or, or it's, you're just going to fall behind because if you're transparent, you're doing business with integrity, you actually add tons of value, you're getting results for your clients and whatever service it is, then you're going to win because some other people aren't willing to do that because they're trying to hide behind a bland marketing message or whatever. And it's not going to get the attention. So it's, it's this kind of survival of the fittest natural selection type of thing that's happening in marketing right now to where like even companies like Amazon and like all these like larger corporations are starting to take advantage of things like that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Where they're using these ads and putting them out and like just kind of monopolizing the market uh, through like a lot of e-commerce stores, even like that's not really like my specialty and not what we're talking about here, but e-commerce stores are just falling by the wayside because Amazon is such a Goliath that it's just, it's found all these operational efficiencies to kind of get rid of them. So mm -hmm you know, it's kind of a dark way to think about it, but like you, you want to be the best possible business and be better than your competitors in every single way you can, because mediocrity isn't really acceptable anymore when it comes to really mm -hmm. scaling your business. Like you can yeah. have kind of plateaus or growing a little bit, but if you really want to scale, you got to get uncomfortable, you know what I mean? And really put it out there. Yeah, you do. Eric, who are, who, who is this strategy right for? So we happen to mention a roofing business. We mentioned a couple other businesses who, who's it right for, who is it not right for? So, I mean, the overall marketing principles I'd say are right for everybody, but usually mm -hmm. who we're talking with is businesses that need to get leads and then get on the phone or some type of call with those leads and then mm -hmm. turn them into a sale, which is the majority of service-based business owners. I don't really uh, handle uh, anything with like e-commerce or product businesses necessarily, um, unless it's some type of product that fits into like a service. Like mm -hmm. it, it, it's all based around service-based stuff, which I feel like is the majority of businesses. So like lawyers, chiropractors, dentists, plastic surgeons, B2B technology company, like literally anything that sells a service. That's kind mm -hmm. of who we're talking about. And um, yeah, so if you can just focus on on kind of getting your system right, then it'll work out really well. But yeah, like getting getting your marketing messages is so important because people are are not really focused on that right now. They're just putting up an ad that says 10% off and or whatever it is. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It doesn't really convert. So yeah. The 10% off ads don't convert. We're definitely getting that message, right? <laughs> like, don't do that. Whatever you do, don't do the 10% off or 5% off for the gyms. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, in gyms too. Like, because like basically our, our kind of industries that we work with, healthcare, B2B tech, legal, and home services are like really big for the stuff that we do. And we've mm -hmm. helped other others as well, but that seems to be kind of like the meat of where the majority of our, our clients come in. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, so we talked about the offer. We talked about the ads. When mm -hmm. it comes to the website, this is something that some business owners struggle to update because they're like, I've had my website since 2005. It's amazing. You know, I, I spent a bunch of money. My friend made it, you know, whatever they have yeah. these kind of excuses. And you need to update your site for, or landing page or whatever it is for mm -hmm. right now. And how mm -hmm. you do that is again, the idea that everybody has so much stimulus right now. And stimulus just means like stuff, just like they have so much, like, like as a side note, anxiety and all these different things are through the roof because we have so much stuff happening all the time that it's mm -hmm. too much for our brains to handle. And you need to be empathetic with that and realize when someone gets to your website, 
It needs to be the simplest, most kind of minimal thing that still looks good. Because if you have one clear marketing message, some imagery and a strong call to action, that's all they want to see. They don't want to see all these different tabs and colors and craziness all over your website because mm. it's just too much. Like it's too, it, it'll basically give people anxiety and they'll click off. <laughs> um, so when you make your website, have a clear navigation and try and limit that as much as possible. Don't have 50 different tabs in there of like all the different things you do. Have some drop down menus, consolidate that, make mm -hmm. it easy to look at. Your headline or your call to action. Uh, the format we tend to follow is usually on the left because people read from left to right. So your ads also kind of have to have this of if you have any text on your photos and videos, whenever you're doing advertisements, have mm -hmm. them on the left because it's just easier for people to read. And that's how like mm -hmm. at least English speakers, they scan from left to right. So it's just sure. easier. So on your website, do the same thing. Have some imagery or video, explain what you do, keep it to like two or three minutes. The video also should have a hook at the beginning. So like within the first two, three seconds, get their attention. Mm -hmm. It's all, it's all TikTok culture, right? Like if you look at what's yeah. popular right now with like Instagram reels and TikTok, if those videos don't hook you in the first two seconds, you're not watching it. So mm -hmm. use that methodology for your entire business. Then mm -hmm. your call to action clearly define what the person gets. And let's touch on that a little bit. Mm -hmm. because people are so inherently selfish and I don't say that in a bad way. I just mean they want what they want and they want it, you know, like basically, like I said, more, better, faster, mm -hmm. um, clearly talk about the result that they get and not the features and benefits. Like, cause you were saying earlier, it's mm -hmm. just not as effective anymore. Like people don't care what the feature benefit is. They care what they get out of it. And like, sure. if you just think what's in it for me and you just come from that point, uh, from your, you know, your client's With perspective, them. Yep. So much easier to write marketing material because then you stop talking about yourself. You stop mm -hmm. saying we're the best shop in town and you prove it and you demonstrate it through case studies and testimonials, through storytelling, through imagery, all these different things. Just show them, don't tell them. Yeah. I love that point. It's so important. And the, I love the Wiffum principle. It's definitely run what's in it for me is definitely how you, you train salespeople that way too. Like don't start presenting about what you do and who you are and how long you've been doing it. That it nobody cares about that. All they care about is what can you do for me? And if you present that upfront and they know that you authentically care, then, then they'll listen, then they'll give you the time. And then hopefully a business arrangement can come out of it. Um, I love that you were saying, you got, you've got to put the focus on them. You've got to make them the hero of the journey. Right. And we, we have to make the mistake where we're like, well, I've been in business for 12 years and I, this, I, I, if it's starting with I, I, or we, we, um, it, it's not about them versus here's what our clients are saying. Here's what we did for this last client. This is what we did last week. This is what we did last year. That's people want to know what you can do for me. And whether you're in business for 20 years or 29 years, doesn't matter anymore that used to matter more. It doesn't matter now. And so really tailoring that message to what's relevant today. And I love when you said our website's been around for this long and my friend made it. I'm like, Oh God, you hear that all the time. If your website's been along ar around that long. You absolutely need to change it. Like the SEO is bad. You, yep. you got to do it all. You got to change it all. Don't get attached to what you created once it served you then, but websites are in an iterative process. Make sure you're changing it for what you're, customers need today. Absolutely. And like, there's something uh, I'm going to get slightly technical here, but I'm going to explain it. Google, uh, the search engine has something called core web vitals now. And basically what that means is it's indicators to Google from your website that it is either a good website or a bad website. And things that go into these indicators are 
page speed, mm. user experience, bounce rate, like how long someone's actually on the website before they click off. And basically just overall, like how interesting is the website to the person searching it? And mm -hmm. Google looks at this and basically says, if someone is on this website for 10 minutes, they have a good experience and it's exactly what they were searching for. Let's mm -hmm. put that higher up because it's more relevant to other people searching for that thing. Mm -hmm. And if you have a website that is old or just kind of outdated or anything like that, most likely the people going to your website are not having the best experience they could possibly have. Mm -hmm. The page speed slash load speed of how long it takes to actually load. You know, if it's under like, like one second, two seconds, like people just are like not patient enough to like deal with that. Right. Mm -hmm. So uh, we try and optimize all of those different things. Our web development platform basically has the cleanest code we can pretty much come up with to make it extremely easy for Google's kind of little robots to like search through the website and make sure mm -hmm. that it's good and it loads fast and it's clean, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of people, you know, using kind of WordPress and some of these things can't WordPress is, is great. There's nothing necessarily wrong with it, but it is kind of getting to a point where it can be clunky and outdated and just kind of hard to plug all those mm -hmm. uh, or basically have all those different plugins communicate together and still have a uh, fast load time. That's, sure. that's kind of the issue with WordPress right now is there's mm -hmm. so much kind of clunkiness and code and stuff going on that you're jerry-rigging together that yeah. it ends up just taking way too much time to load and your SEO is, is dying. So yeah. our platform that we use is different and uh, we build it in a pretty quick, you know, time frame. Um, in comparison to what some other websites on like WordPress are built in. Mm -hmm. And when we do that, because it's so clean and easy and minimal and simple, um, Google loves that and they will yeah. show it to more people. So even just the smallest things of, mm -hmm. you know, going from a one second load speed to a three second load speed, like, or sorry, the reverse of going from three seconds to, to one second can mm -hmm. increase your results like crazy and make your business and help your business uh, basically scale. Right. And it's yeah. like, business owners don't think of that usually because they're so focused on actually doing their business, whether they're a dentist or doing roofs or anything like that. They, they don't need to really know that for what their service delivery is. Right. Mm -hmm. But if business owners can listen to podcasts, look up articles and kind of do maybe five minutes, 10 minutes of educating themselves on a daily basis on these different things, mm -hmm. you look at like these like marketing uh, news websites and stuff like that, you'll get to understand like, oh, wow, this can affect my business a lot. And if I was them, I would have a lot of hope because they're already here. Most business owners, you know what I mean? They're scaling like a bit, but mm -hmm. once they find out all this stuff and they change their website around, they change their ads, sure. they have their backend system dialed in and all these things and they update everything, they're going to grow a lot. You know what I mean? So I yeah. think, you know, most business owners should be excited by this information because it they're already making you know, $5 million in revenue. And now they know how they can get to 10 or 15 or 20 or whatever it is. Yeah. So pretty much if you're listening to this podcast right now, you're already head and shoulders in front of your competitor. So just doing this, um, uh, you know, I think that's, it's so important to really appreciate. I love what you said about your Google rating um, and whether they'll show your website or not. Mm -hmm. I mean, really conceptualize that like you we're gonna we're gonna keep picking on michael's business and, and michael we're not actually this is we've taken your business and we've sort of made it into this like fake business at this point <laughs> but um michael's like wait a second we have a good google ranking so um consider that you could be an amazing roofer you could be amazing chiropractor dentist whatever it is you could be amazing at your craft but because your page when they click on the page it takes too long to load google doesn't show your page to someone so when someone says 
you know, best roofer in Florida, you may not come up because of that. And so a lot of us will invest time and energy into getting better at our craft. But if you have the cure for cancer, but it's sitting in your garage, it's not helping anybody. And so this is the way to say, oh, you've got a really good product. You've got the cure for cancer. This is the way you get it out to the marketplace. This is how you grab the megaphone and you tell the world about it. So this stuff really, really is important. And I love when you said, hey, this is really for anybody. Like if you're doing business, then this needs to be part of your strategy. Um, it, it's inbound sales, but it's also this awareness of don't just spend all the time getting better on your craft. You've got to let the marketplace know who you are. And if you're staying the same, if your digital footprint is the same, it's actually getting worse every year. Cause if you're, if, if it's not growing, it's dying. And definitely at the speed in which this stuff is changing, we've got to stay, if not on the cutting edge, pretty damn close. Yeah, I'll coin this term right now. I'll call it marketing inflation, <laughs> where yeah. basically over time, if you're not growing, you're dying, like you just said. Mm -hmm. And it's like inflation where you have to keep up with what's going on or you're going to fall behind in your your business. Let's because inflation money, it ends up being yeah. like less over time, right? So you need to get with the program. And, you know, I think I want to go back to some business owners might be listening to this and get really overwhelmed by everything, right? I mean, especially with everything that's going on right now, it's very easy to get overwhelmed by things. Sure. And I want to go back to the idea of there's really only four core tenants of what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Now, each of those things does break into, you know, more detail, but your ads and basically paid media on getting traffic, right? Mm -hmm. There's only a couple things you really need to do like an eight, like I like to follow the 80, 20 rule. If you, and if anybody's ever heard of that 80, 20 rule by Richard coach, which is basically 20% of the things you're doing, get 80% of the results. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you might not have a hundred percent optimized in every little thing, but probably in the next month or two, you can get most of these things optimized to where mm -hmm. your ads, there's a few key things that you really need to focus on your headline, your offer, and scroll stopping creative people like just get their attention mm -hmm. you know what i mean that's pretty much it so if you can get those down you're good on your website simplifying and making it minimal and it or maybe not even getting rid of things but just kind of basically making it easier to consume right so like sure. i said instead of having a bunch of tabs consolidate that into some drop down menus and stuff so when you look at it it's just easier to to read mm -hmm. again headline and this this is a strong you need to have a stronger call to action because the point of the website is to convert to a lead right but the mm -hmm. point of the the ad is to get the click so the click needs a headline and, and scroll uh scroll stopping imagery but then the uh website needs a like a very strong call to action to get someone to actually fill out their information mm -hmm. really all you need to focus on for that then when you actually get to uh a, like you know a lead has been created emails and texts all you need to focus on and just send them educational information. And I'd say 70, 75% of the stuff that you send through email and text should be value and, you know, positivity and like, you know, basically putting goodwill into your market. Then uh -huh. the other 25%, you ask for something, which is, Hey, get on a call with us. Hey, call our team. Hey, you know, uh, yeah, get on a zoom call, something uh -huh. like that. So it's like, if you just focus on that, you're good. Then uh -huh. when you actually get on the call, I like to define it as uh, questions, closing statements, and handling objections. So mm -hmm. this is a uh, business owners kind of have a problem with sales because of the whole used car salesman thing. And they think <laughs> that, you know, oh, sales is kind of like a, 
a thing that I don't want to be too salesy. And they use all these kind of words. And I totally agree. You don't want to be mm-hmm. salesy, but you are guiding the prospect to become a customer. That's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. You're guiding them to some type of decision. And whether it's like good or, you know, yes or no, it doesn't really matter. It's just you're helping them get there. So mm-hmm. when you're asking questions, instead of trying to push something on them, that gets them to come to their own conclusion of wanting to get your service. And you just have to make sure you ask good questions. Then when you've kind of gathered all this information and then you make a closing statement of, okay, so would you like to move forward today or would you like to move forward next week? You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like something like that, some type of assumptive closing statement. Then instead of asking for the sale, it's kind of like, again, guiding them and like moving towards this thing. And they'll either Mm -hmm. come up with an objection or move forward. Right. Mm -hmm. Then when they, when it comes to objections, because let's be real, most business owners know the seven to nine objections they get on a daily Mm -hmm. basis from their salespeople. If you write those out and you make a clear two to three sentence script to kind of overcome those or re-explain those or whatever it is for your salespeople, Mm -hmm. then it's going to be a lot easier to overcome those objections. For sure. You know, like I said, there's really only seven to nine probably objections that you're getting. They're like the big ones. Sure. Everything else, like everything fits into one of those categories. So mm-hmm. as long as you have a script to overcome that, you'll be good too. But I know it sounded like a lot, but each of those things only only has like three or four things you need to focus on that you can do in the next month or two that will help your business scale a lot. Yeah. I love that you broke it down like that, Eric. And, and what you just said about having the script for the seven plus objections um, that you get that's gold. So I've trained sales teams for years and we would, we would outline how people say no. And then what do we say? Mm-hmm. And it's not so we can repeat an answer with rote memorization. It's so you're prepared to navigate those situations. And it's really just, I'd argue it's probably less than seven. It's probably three. And then a little bit of iterations in each one of those three, mm-hmm. but being able to handle those is so, so important. And The thing I'll point out is when people say about like, I don't want to be too salesy. They're under the assumption that a salesperson is selling something to someone that they don't need. And does that happen? Yeah. You mentioned the used car salesman, like, uh, you know, they always get a bad rap. Um, but okay. Maybe it's selling someone that something that they didn't really need, but sales has also changed today and it's really solving problems. And if you believe in your product and you believe in your service, you believe it actually does the thing you say that it does you're providing a solution. Really all you're trying to figure out is if they're the right person for the solution. It's not, I got to push my product on someone and they don't need it. That's unethical. We shouldn't be doing that to begin with. But if it's, hey, they have a problem and I can solve it, that's powerful. And we owe it to our clients. We owe it to the marketplace to do that very thing. That's not being salesy. That's providing a solution. Absolutely. And like, you got to think about too, they're coming to you. Like this is inbound Mm -hmm. marketing that we're talking about. They got a problem. they yeah, got a like problem they need solved. Outbound marketing is, is mm-hmm. a little bit different. There's a different way you have to go about sure. it. But like, yeah, like you said, they, they have a problem. They're coming in. They became a lead and now they're on the phone with you. They, they want yeah. what you have. So like there is no salesiness. It's just, like I said, guiding them to a decision. Now, yeah. another game changer that I just thought to bring up that'd be really important is those, you know, like I, I said, like seven to nine objections. There's a range, you know what I mean? Of yeah. all the different things. But if you take those, 
And then you now translate that all the way back to the beginning of the funnel where your marketing message now just handles yeah. those objections before they even get on the phone or your website does or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, a, an objection that you would get that's like a standard one is like, how can I trust you that you will do the service or whatever? And it's like, sure. if at the beginning of your marketing, you can talk about your testimonials and reviews and what you've done. And here's a clear case study of like what results we've gotten. And on the website, you have video mm -hmm. testimonials. By the time they get on the phone with you, that objection is probably going to be gone. Or if they do bring it up, you can just be like, Hey, remember those videos you saw in our ads? Like those are real customers. So like, you sure. know, and then they go, okay. And the objection's done. So it's just 80, 20 in that as well of just doing the small amount of things that will get you a lot of impact. So true. We used to do this in business advising, um, in the past where, you know, if people, you know, a business advising package might have a very large price tag to it. All right, here's the proposal. And you can kind of pre-answer the question about like, oh, that's a lot of money. Am I really going to get my money's worth? We'll go back and go, okay, look at the clients we've worked with and how many people got their money back within six months. Once you got that number. So for example, let's just say it was 92%. If you can start with 92% of the clients that we work with make back their, this money and more their investment and more within six months, You've just pre-answered. Now you might occasionally get that question, but that's really, really powerful. And and that's regardless of your industry, roofing, chiropractic, all of those still apply. Um, Eric, I want to pivot for a second here. Um, you really like this topic. What what do you love about it? What how did you end up here? Like why why are you in, here? Yeah, no, I ended up in marketing and media because when I was young, actually, um, I started out with making like photos and videos just because I thought it was a fun, creative thing for me to do. Mm -hmm. I was never good at like drawing or art or anything like that. So I ended up making, uh, doing photos and videos and I thought it was fun. And after that, um, you know, I spent years on that and I have always also been interested in like psychology and how people work mm -hmm. and finding out, you know, just different things about people because it helped me better understand myself. <laughs> um, and when I would, you know, talk with other people, I would always wonder, oh, you know, why, why is that person doing that thing or whatever? And it all just comes back usually to human psychology. So it always interested me a lot of how, uh, how people work. Then um, I, I, I'll just briefly go over it of basically I had a job and I was going to college and I dropped out of college. I switched my major from computer science to business and then uh, business. I wasn't really paying a whole lot of attention in class because I was researching other things on my laptop and trying to figure out some new marketing thing that I thought was interesting, even though I wasn't even really doing it yet. I just was really interested in it. And then when I dropped out of college, because some of the people in my life convinced me to do so, because I kept telling them over and over of like, I don't want to be here. This isn't necessarily helping me in my position. Mm -hmm. Um, I finally did that. Then I had my job and I was doing pretty well. I was a manager for retail location and making pretty decent money for my age, like more than most of my friends. And what happened at that time was I had a new manager come in and this manager was not the best. Uh, the manager I had before I had him for like three years and he was fantastic. And he was a, he was a true like leader. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he was someone that actually led instead of just told people what to do. Like he would lead by example. And he was a really sure. good guy. Like I respected him a lot. Um, then this new guy came in and he was not really a great leader at all. He was trying to lead out of fear rather than respect. And obviously that never works. Um, so what happened literally within two weeks uh, this guy started writing me up for just random things. And on the third write up, you get fired. Right. And mm -hmm. I've never been written up in like the three, four years I was there. So I was like, okay, this is obviously something's going wrong here. Uh, mm -hmm. So I just left. 
And I basically just said, Hey, I, you know, I would rather not work here. And then I was kind of out on my own. So I had really nothing. I didn't have, I didn't have college. I didn't have a job. Um, and I had to figure out something to do. And my friends had always kind of friends and family have told me like, Oh, maybe you should start a business or something around marketing or media or whatever, you know, take videos for people or something. And I was like, huh, so I've always been interested in this. Let me try it. So I started out thinking like, okay, what's going to help get uh, businesses results that I know about. So I was talking, you know, thinking about ads and I like to make websites and things. So I'm like, let me do that. So I go out to, uh, you know, my network and stuff like that. And I got a couple clients uh, that I worked with for free where I did their advertising. I did their uh, social media management, which we don't do anymore. Um, and then I did their websites and like all that different stuff. Mm-hmm. I did everything <laughs> and it was really too much. Um, I, I did a lot more than we, we really just focus on the core tenants. Now we were doing all sorts of stuff. Um, but, uh, the, the difference that, that happened with me at that point was I worked, uh, for free for them for nine months. And it's usually a lot longer than most people will work, will work for free because I wanted to be extremely confident in the results that I bring. Mm-hmm. Then at the end of the nine months, I asked them to start a paid agreement, uh, paid agreement with me. And they told me the results they were actually getting. They showed me on the back end, Hey, yeah, we made this many sales. We're getting these reviews, uh, you know, all that type of stuff. And I was really happy with the results. So then we started paid agreements and like, you know, just kind of went from there. And then uh, over time, just kind of narrowed it down to, okay, the things that get my clients the most results are ads, their websites, backend follow-up and closing the deals. So let's just focus on that. And Mm -hmm. we just niche down to that. And then it came to, we were working with every single type of business we could think of, narrowed it down to healthcare, B2B tech, legal and home services. We still help other ones, but that seems to be our, our core like niche niches. And then, yeah, but it all just came from being able to go out on a limb and just try something and be uncomfortable because at that time, I, like I don't come from an entrepreneurial background. So I knew nothing about profit and loss statements, about contracts, about sure. like just anything accounting, like any of that. So I had to learn it all myself and it was really tough. Um, and it's probably one of the toughest things I've ever done is really understanding everything because my personality type, I'm pretty analytical and everything. So I like to know about everything before I kind of dive into it. So mm-hmm. it took a lot of time, but ended up paying yeah. off and I love what I do more than anything. Um, and I can't really see myself doing anything else. Yeah. What, um, that's, it's, it's a pretty big shift. I mean, you made quite a few pivots along the way, like at any point did you kind of get up in your head about it? Like, well, what if this doesn't work? And I've had a couple of false starts here. I mean, that, that, that usually goes along with us making pivots or were you like, Nope, what I'm going to do is going to work out. And if it doesn't, I'll find another one. Um, yeah, I mean, I think as a business owner, we all have kind of doubts and things like that, because if you really think about business, you have to adapt to grow in your business, mm-hmm. but then also in your personal life. And every single time that happens, like even going from a hundred thousand a year to a $200,000 a year, it's like, you, it takes a major mental shift to mm-hmm. really do that. Because, you know, I think it was in like the Napoleon Hill book where it kind of talks about, I forget exactly what he says, but it's kind of like this this threshold where you go past this threreshold and it's kind of like a success barrier and like Mm -hmm. you have a success floor and a success ceiling, I think, or something like that. And it's like, once you get through that, you're, you will psychologically find a way to get back to whatever that is, or, you know, if you're below it, then you'll go up. Right. And it's like, 
you have to constantly be shifting that. And that takes so much like awareness of what's going on and so much of paying attention to what's going on in your head. And that's why I'm so thankful for the psychology research that I've done about like people and, and it helps in marketing, but it also helps with myself and managing my own emotions, managing my growth and all that type of stuff. And it's, it's helped me a lot. So yeah, there's been a lot of pivots, but um, ultimately I still know what my, my ultimate goal is, but in the short term, yeah, I t- always have kind of these doubts and, you know, all type of stuff just because my psychology and my, my brain, my DNA is trying to keep me safe, mm-hmm. but it doesn't understand that I'm trying to get somewhere, you know? Yeah. I'm going to get past it. No, I love it. I love it. So what I, I definitely heard a lot of, um, books and, um, I'll say mentors that maybe we don't know authors and things like that got you through that. How about peer group was, did you have a peer group? That's like, yeah, let's go ahead and do this. Cause usually when we're kind of stepping up and stepping away, people will doubt us or like, Hey, is this good enough? You already had a good job. Did you get any of that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, the, the tough part about growing a business too, is yeah, no one really believes in you at the beginning until you actually do anything. So yeah, and right. it's, it, you can't really blame them because they don't have any reference to like sure. what, you know, what to believe. Right. So yeah. for me, yes, I had to turn to my friends that were uh, in business. One of my mentors has a company that's uh, similar to mine in a different space, but he's one of my good friends and I, I get a lot of information and mentorship from him. Uh, I've read a lot of books. I am always on audible listening to things. Um, I, I'm constantly to trying to, trying to fill my head with information that helps me because mm-hmm. the, like whatever you consume, you become right. So like after mm-hmm. you consume all this information, it's like it, it's changing your identity by like osmosis. Right. And sure. there was actually a long time at the beginning where I had, yeah, like my friends and stuff, but I didn't have necessarily like a large peer group, like a mastermind or anything. And mm-hmm. that would have helped me so much, but mm-hmm. uh, I actually did find one eventually and it didn't last. It only lasted about a year. And then like the, the group kind of like broke up. Um, mm-hmm. We still talk and stuff like that, but there's no like set meetings and stuff anymore after the whole pandemic thing that happened. So it kind of mm-hmm. got tough there, but I met so many people in that group that were doing big things way bigger mm-hmm. than me that inspired me and kind of opened up my, my mind and my, my perceptions. Sure. Um, and just talking with them and being able to like exchange value in different areas of teaching them some marketing stuff. And then they teach, teach me some business operation stuff or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's been really helpful, but yeah, pure group is super, super important because humans are tribal beings. So we I've, really are. I've gained a lot from it. We really are. So we run um, masterminds here at Pivot Me. We have for years and years and years, and they're amazing. And a big part, people always, it's funny, I say people come for a skill set, but they stay for mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, they're like, well, I really want to, you know, up my sales game or I want to scale my business. Most of them are entrepreneurs. We've, we definitely have some corporate people in there um, that are listening right now, I know. Um, but it's interesting because they, they, I wouldn't say undervalue, but they don't appreciate how much community actually matters because they've gone, they've sort of gone there on their own path for so long that they forgot what it's like to actually have a team around you that's supporting you that doesn't have a dog in the fight, like whether your business succeeds or fails, this initiative succeeds or fails, it doesn't matter whether you successfully train for the marathon, I don't have to hear the alarm going off at 5am to have a team around you that that isn't invested financially or emotionally in your outcome, but they just really want to see you succeed. And they're really going to say, Hey, have you thought about this? Have you considered this? Hey, last time you sabotaged this way, let's make sure this doesn't happen again. It is invaluable. I always say, um, I I do a lot of business advising too, which I I do love. I absolutely love that. And high performance coaching, the masterminds I run on Wednesday 
are the highlight of my week, hands down. Because you see this magic happen when people come together like, hey, I'm leveling up. And one might be, you know, my my 9 a.m. mastermind. We have a, a British hypnotherapist that's one of the top rated podcasters. We have another gal that's running a nonprofit, another guy who runs a software company, an international software company, and then a lawyer, and then a chem, forgive me, Katie, chemical engineer electrical engineer, chemical, chemical engineer, um, but is also a fitness competitor. I mean, it's just, you get these varied backgrounds, but I share that to say we need a peer group. So whether that's the formal structure of a mastermind or just designing your peer group, we talk about the difference between a default and a design peer group, it will make it easier. Now, there are people that get ahead without it, but your path is so much easier when you have mentors and you have those cheerleaders that are like, yep, you got this. I don't know how, but you're going to get it because you have a hundred percent chance of surviving this because you've survived everything else you've been up to. Um, mm -hmm. It really is valuable and makes the journey so much more enjoyable. True. Yeah, no, I've, I've gained so much. Just, just this, just the fact of being able to bounce ideas off other people mm -hmm. as entrepreneurs, we're almost like ADHD built in or something. You know Most of them are. Yeah. Like, and it's like just being able to bounce those ideas off and talk sure. them out that alone is kind of like business therapy like it's like it's it helps you <laughs> it's business kinda, therapy kind of like come to the conclusions that you need to be able to grow and yeah like it's uh, business owners i feel like they avoid the whole personal development thing because they say oh like you know i don't need that most mm -hmm. people do they just say oh you know I'm, I'm fine where i'm at but your business won't grow to the point that you want without kind of getting your personal life handled in my opinion yep so, yep and the other thing is that the uh the successes won't be as rich and um, the successes won't be as fulfilling it's yeah. you can get to that sort of pinnacle of financial success or business success but if you have not handled your backstory if you haven't done the personal development work um a there might not be people sitting next to you once you get there or mm -hmm. b um you will find it doesn't feel the way you thought it would feel. I've seen it so, so many times. Um, it doesn't feel as fulfilling. Um, but if you do the work, then you get to the pinnacle of success and you're like, this is amazing. And, and I've got these people around me that get to celebrate it with me. That's so, such an important piece. Have you always been into personal development? Yes, from a very young age. And I think it just came out of the real desire to like get better. And I, I think some, I mean, I've been pretty good at like kind of putting my ego to the side my entire mm -hmm. life and just kind of like, okay, let me learn from people who are already at the place that I want to be. Sure. Um, and I don't know why I've always been good at that, but like just being kind of open-minded that information is, has helped me a lot. And I think it's kind of this feedback loop of like, okay, I lower my ego, I get information from outside sources, and then all of a sudden I get positive results. And it's kind of like, okay, let me keep doing that. Sure. So, it's, it's something that I think people, it's a skill in of itself of kind of putting your ego to the side and letting other new information in that you might not even agree with in that current moment because mm -hmm. you don't have the experience to back it up or whatever it is. Then you use that new information, helps you out a lot. It can be really beneficial. Yeah, I love this idea. Was, we really do have to check our ego at the door, which is hard. Um, and sometimes when you're an entrepreneur, ego can ride shotgun because we're like, oh, look at us. Look at this amazing business we created and we went out on our own. And and so it is an important reminder that we still have to check our ego because you cannot pour into a full cup. If we walk around being a full cup, we can't learn anything else. So that's hard. Like, all right, I got I got to learn some stuff. So I got I got to check this at the door. And then I need to be ready to be the student again. We've got one closing question, but before I ask that, Eric, where can people connect with you? 
uh, pretty much anywhere online. I have a website, ericrebello.com. Um, you can go on there and, you know, I pretty much all my links are on there. YouTube podcast, like TikTok, Instagram, everything is just my name, just Eric Rebello. And uh, I just have some content about marketing on there that can hopefully help you if you, you take it out or check it out. Absolutely. And we'll put the, the links in the show notes. So our final question, you ready for it? Yeah. If you could tell the world one thing, what would it be? Good question. Um, I think if people got clear and consistent, that would probably be really great for most people. And because I feel like a lot of people, when it comes to clarity of whatever their goal is or vision or anything like that, they almost like, it's gonna sound bad, but they like lie to themselves and they, mm. they either shoot too low or they shoot almost like too high. Like there was a, a thing where even I'm, I'm going to share this just about myself. And I, haven't, I don't think I've shared this before, but um, with my personal brand, right? I was like, oh, I want like a really good or really big personal brand with lots of subscribers, lots of whatever. And it's like, yeah, that'd be great. But like, I'm not trying to be a influencer person with like millions of followers and whatever that there's no like, I'd rather just not do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? But mm -hmm. I told myself for like a short period of time, uh, when I started learning about personal branding, I got all excited about it and was like, oh, I want to have a huge brand. And it's mm -hmm. like, I want the exact, like, you know, amount of people that I need to have, however many that is, yep. we're good. It, like when Tim Ferriss says, what, like your thousand true fans or something, it's like, mm -hmm. that's fine with me. Like, we're good. Um, yep. And it's like, you know, that's shooting a little bit too high and getting real with myself. I was like, I don't want that. And I feel so much better not mm -hmm. wanting that anymore. Or when people shoot too low, that's obviously something they need to increase as well, where they're having either self-esteem issues or confidence issues or whatever it is. And it's like, if you can increase that and kind of break that success ceiling, then you're going to be a lot happier as well. So clarity, yeah. but then also big one is consistency. So um, there's a kind of motto that I have uh, in like my businesses where it's like consistency compounds, where it's mm. like investing in an asset that just exponentially grows. So it's much better to do something every day for like five minutes mm -hmm. than to do it for hours one day a week, because sure. that consistency every day is going to just pay off in the long run a lot more. And the brain, the brain is made to like grow these synaptic pathways on this more kind of daily consistent basis than it is mm -hmm. once a week. And you'll get a lot more out of it. So clarity and consistency is like two biggest things that people could do and really make like a, a shift or a pivot. I love it. I love it. Eric, thank you so much for your time today and for the information, both specific to digital marketing, but also your backstory. I really enjoyed our time together. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciated it. And the uh, questions you were asking were, were awesome. So I hope a lot of people got a lot of value out of it. For sure they did.